Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam, we are back with another episode of Brown Ambition. Thank y'all so much for all of the lovely messages and soft welcome backs ever since we started doing these guest hosted episodes. As you guys know, Tiffany is still on hiatus and we send her all of the love and virtual hugs and kisses and all that stuff. Maybe not the kisses, that would be weird. Um, But anyway, shout out to Tiffany and we continue to miss you a lot. But today I thought it would be fun to bring back the BAQA. We have not had our regular Q&A segment in so, so long. And I thought today would be the perfect day to bring that back. But I couldn't do it alone. I thought about it for a hot minute, me sitting here in this chair in my therapist tan turtleneck, talking to myself as the question and the answerer. And I decided that that would just be silly. So we have a very special guest today. Hey, Amber Jones. What's up? Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. So you guys have never had the pleasure of seeing Amber's adorable face, but you have seen her handiwork all over (laughs) Brown Ambition's social channels because Amber is our social media manager. Yes. And her business is called My Social Gourmet. So tell Amber, so just say a quick hi, hello to BA fam. Hello, BA fam. So excited to be here. I am brown and ambitious, so I'm just excited <laughs> to get started. <laughs> She's on brand. And thank you, Amber, for all of the great content you create. And Amber and I are always collaborating on social media. And she's like, mm-hmm. Mandy, give me your notes. Mandy, where are you? What's going on? Um, but she does a phenomenal job. And I know that she thank is you. going to do a phenomenal job today. So, Amber, yes, not to put you on the spot, but did you listen to last week's episode? Majority of it, yes. Yes, because you, oh, yeah, that's right. You had to do the teaser. Why, look at I me trying to catch you in a lie. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't listen to the show that you do social media content for. <laughs> um. So last week, if you guys haven't heard last week's episode with Chris Browning from Popcorn Finance, wait, now I'm having flashbacks of the, the social media practice. Like, I had the bright idea because we make you guys guess our co-hosts. I was like, instead of doing Chris's silhouette, because he's just like has a bald head. He wouldn't mind mm-hmm. me saying that. You guys see. Um, I was like, let's do a silhouette of a popcorn bucket. And can you make the popcorn kernels pop? And Amber's like, it's called My Social Gourmet, not My Social Magic Show. <laughs> um, so that didn't work out. It did. It helped a little bit, though, because, you know, they kind of knew as soon as we posted the silhouette. I don't know how, but yeah. everybody was, oh, I, know. I think it was People the song. pay attention to the shapes of our heads, apparently, in a way that yeah. I did not know they were doing. Oh, man. Well, that episode last week touched... <laughs> 
in a good way touched a lot of you guys. Um, and it was me and Chris literally putting everything on the table about what it's been like for the two of us in our own separate lives to transition from nine to five workers to full time entrepreneurs. And Chris is like 95% of the way independent now. He's still working a couple days a week at his previous nine to five job. And I've been independent for eight, nine months now. Um, so if you haven't, go back and check out that episode. But I did want to share this sweet message that we got from listener Sherry, who said, Hi, Mandra. Yes, you can call me Mandra. I really enjoyed this week's episode. I have recently begun my entrepreneurship journey. Um, I've sent you messages about that before. And you and Tiffany gave me such great advice. And so much of what you guys discussed resonates with me. I definitely also found myself hoarding my business income. Mm -hmm. And I was in a rut about starting my self-employed retirement fund, but I'm going to work on that in Q1. Please, please keep the small business discussions coming. She also asked if you wouldn't mind sharing resources like your bookkeeper or how you found mm -hmm. them, lessons you've learned, um, maximizing profit, using business expenses to the greatest good. Thank you so much for taking us along on your journey. That is so sweet, Sherry. It's so nice. And of course, she wraps it up saying, I'm praying for Tiffany and her family. Um, we thank you for that. Yeah, a couple of people reached out. They want to know my bookkeeper. So how did I find my... I think first and foremost, it's more important to talk about how I found my book my bookkeeper because obviously we all have to go on that journey. Amber, do you have a bookkeeper? Or do you keep your I own do books? it. I do it myself. But someone told me the same thing that you were saying, like five hundred dollars just to get it all aligned. And I was like, I need this. So. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I maybe I cheated a little bit. So the same accountant who's worked on Brown Ambition for years and she and he's been Tiffany's accountant for a long time. Um, so that's mm -hmm. how I found Carlos. Shout out to Carlos. Um, mm -hmm. His wife, Tianu, has a bookkeeping business on the side. So they are like a power couple. All it is Aww. in their household is just spreadsheets. I They love it. It works for them. It keeps their relationship exciting, I guess. But so I work with Carlos's delightful wife, Tianu, and her business is called Nil Tech Finance, N-I-L-L -L, Tech Finance, based in Jersey. But the point of this story is not who, but how. So the way that I found my bookkeeper was through a referral of who we all know and love, Tiffany. But if you forget about Tiffany being the budget Nista superstar and also co-host of Brown Ambition, she's a friend of mine. She's a friend of mine in my circle. So I always say asking friends of yours in your circles who they work with to get personal recommendations is like there's no better way, I think, word of mouth. And mm -hmm. I also interviewed a, another accountant and she was wonderful. Um, and I actually found her because I asked Janice Torres Rodriguez from Yo Quiero Dinero. Um, who we've had on the show. She and I were just chatting up after the episode about, you know, I was new to this. And just as a, a newbie, I was like, who do you go to for your accounting advice? So um, and I interviewed that accountant and she had a team of bookkeepers that she worked with. So maybe even interviewing with one accountant can help you find a bookkeeper because typically they work like closely together, you know, I or do. you can uh, do like Amber. And what do you do then? Do you have like QuickBooks or something? No. Well, see, I've been using Wave app. Like, you okay. know, it's an app you don't for like everything. Wave app. I have never heard of it. <laughs> do I? I don't think you like it. Yeah. Well, we tried okay. to use it one time and we didn't like it, but oh, I sorry. use that and I use like um, an Excel sheet. So I had one of my friends, he would like, he was an accountant for like a business or whatnot. Um, and so he just did my Excel sheet and I just been kind of like keeping up with the numbers, but I know it's wrong. <laughs> so Amber. I need to get it done. Ooh. Get it. Get it done. 
get it done. I'm going to get um, it done. You have to know other <laughs> entrepreneurs in your circle. You could ask. Um, and also, I feel like I'm going to post a link to the main um the the there is a national organization for accountants and bookkeepers i'm going to post a link in the show notes i'm going to go find it after the show just as as a starting point for you guys because you can at least look in your own like zip code or whatnot and find but i recommend it tiano has been wonderful to work with and thank you sherry for that sweet note all right amber are you ready i am ready are you ready for the task of reading questions out loud (laughs) we're gonna see we're gonna see what my skills are (laughs) Okay. okay All right, Juliana, as our first question of the day. So, oh my gosh, did you ladies hear about the Navient settlement today? Am I saying that correctly? You are, Navient. I think. Ooh. Navient, Navient, sure. Navient, Navient. Okay, settlement today. I am shook and I am trying to call Navient now to get an update. Can you discuss this on the show? Absolutely. So this happened when? A couple of, like, was it a week? Time is so weird right now. Recently, it was announced that Navient, which is one of the largest student loan servicers in the country, has will be canceling the debt of 66,000 student loan borrowers. And you're so right, Julieta. I mean, I think if whether you're a Navient customer or not, your question is like, wait, how can I get on that list? Please, please, can I refinance into Navient loans? So the good news is that you don't really have to do anything to find out necessarily if you are one of those 66,000 borrowers. Um, As per its settlement, Navient is in charge of reaching out to those borrowers. But what I like about your question, um, Julieta, Julieta, is that you said you were calling them directly. Because honestly, I would be on the phone with them right now if I had a Navient loan just to see if I qualify. Um, It's my understanding, like I was just doing some Googles, and you have to have a particular type of loan taken out within a particular period of time. Um, And I don't want to get y'all confused by sitting here and reading out the list of eligibility requirements. What I can do is put a link to the articles that I have been reading that have that information and just tell you guys to call Navient. If you see that you may qualify based on these eligibility requirements, um, then I would say pick up the phone and call. If not, they've got until July of 2022 to call you or reach out to you in some form or fashion. So if you just want to hang out and chill and wait, you can do that. Yeah. (laughs) Who's waiting though? (laughs) I mean, listen, I would be if I had, you know, Navia loans. It's, it's really disheartening. I mean, I feel like we're at this time now where you were two years in since Biden was elected and Mm -hmm. you do, you, I was hoping that by now there would at least be an announcement of some debt cancellation. And I mean, I know there was all this like back and forth about Mm -hmm. what he wasn't going to do the full amount that progressives wanted. Maybe he would do like 10,000, something like that. But there's been nothing, you know, so something is better than nothing. But in the meantime, this news, which is a whole different like case, this is a a lawsuit that was filed by several states against Navient. So this is a settlement from that lawsuit. This is an entirely non-government related, you know, case right oh. now. Um, but at least 66,000 borrowers will get some relief for their loans. So mm-hmm. call your call Navient up if your loans are from Navient um, and find out if you're one of those. Or like we said, you can wait until, you know, check your inbox, check your mailbox till July. Oh, I'm going to be checking for sure. I do you still know. have student loans? Are you? I do, but I I don't have that much. It's only like 30K. Only 30K. Compared to everybody else, I was like, that's not that bad. I thought it was bad, but. No, that's true. When did you graduate? I still pay it down. 2019. Okay. I knew you were a baby. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> full 10 years. Listen, you're right, though. 30K is not as bad as it definitely could have been. So you'll get them done. We don't have to pay right now. We still get it till May, I think. I think. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Payments are, I know, <laughs> payments are paused until May. At least that's something. Yeah. All righty. Let's, yeah. so now we can get to Miss Irene if you want to read Irene. Irene's question. The next couple of questions are career questions, which are my favorite. Miss Irene, I'm currently an active duty military member living in Maryland with an enlistment ending in August of 2022. But I'm applying for a clinical psychology program that would allow me to stay in the military for at least 12 more years and provide me with a doctorate education without student loan debt. The issue here is that if I do not get into the program, I will have to join the civilian workforce without any experience in the field that I will be entering. And the field is the industrial organizational psychology. I will have my master's in this field, but yet again, no experience. How do you suggest that I make myself desirable for employers? That's the first question. Is it worth my time and money to get related certifications from learning platforms to show my willingness to use valuable resources and to learn and develop myself? Ooh, this is a juicy question. So forget all the details for a second. I get this question so often. Um, As you guys know, through Mandy Money, I offer money and career coaching and I have been doing it pretty much nonstop since July. And so, so often I'm listening to women who want to know, do I need this certificate? Do I need that certificate? I'm wanting to break into this new industry and I don't necessarily have a ton of experience. So how can I make myself more, like she says, desirable to employers and show them that I've got at least the training, if not the on the ground experience. Um, So where I'll start right now is by saying, Education does matter. You know, you have the education here and the field industrial organizational psychology. I'm hearing more and more about this, but basically this we're talking like um, the operations of companies like human resources departments, how how companies and their people work together. So this is a fast growing um, industry and it's fascinating to me in general. Um, as far as like certificates from online learning platforms, <sighs> Do I think that those are necessary? I struggle with this because I have heard from so many of my clients who have gotten those certificates, whether it's what's popular right now is like project management certificates. Um, there are product ma- product management certificates, um, DE&I, like diversity, equity, and inclusion certificates. Like they sell them through platforms like Coursera. They also sell them through like Google has on, like a Google Academy or something like that where you can get these certificates. I wouldn't necessarily put my money up for those types of certifications unless I had examples of people in my field that had success getting opportunities through having those certificates. Um, I mean, these certificates, like not only the money that they take, they also take time because often there'll be a multi-week or multi-hour, you know, commitment for you to take the course and then do whatever is required of you. So I wouldn't want to invest that much time and money unless I knew I was going to potentially get the return on my investment, right? So I think the key here is for you to make connections with people who are in that field and ask their specific opinions or look for examples from them of people who were able to break into it by getting these certifications. In my personal opinion, I think way far and above in terms of value for getting experience is a personal connection to someone versus a piece of digital paper. 
um, or a certificate, I think the more personal connections you can make. So that can be through your uh, program. Like right now you say that you're in a clinical psychology program. It could be making connections within that program with your with your instructors, with alumni. Um, I tell people a lot of times when I sit across from my coaching clients and I ask them, you know, have you reached out to any of your peers from your college or from your, you know, master's program? So often the answer is no. You know, it's been a few years since you graduated, maybe longer. You've lost those connections. Um, I think it's really important for you to maintain or rekindle those personal relationships because that can be a great source um, of knowledge for you when it comes to how do I get my foot in the door. Um, and I think for anyone who's entering into a new field with relatively little experience, you do have to accept the fact that it may take a little bit of extra time for you to find that opportunity, especially given right now what we are in with our like labor market. I'm sure you, Amber, even know it's a lot of people like hiring right now, but it's also a lot of people applying. Competition is fierce. It really is. And some of my clients have been applying for jobs for months months and not able to break in. Um, it genuinely may not have anything to do with you not being qualified. It just is that there is a ton of competition out there. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm saying, you know, trying to connect with people who are in that space and ask them, hey, did you find that this certificate gave you an edge? Um, I would be genuinely curious to hear what you hear back. And even more so, what I think will give you an edge is any kind of personal relationship you have. There is so much value in having people in rooms with decision makers who say your name. Like there is, that is where the power lies. So how can we get Irene on the radar of people in those rooms? Anyone who's like, I know someone, Irene, she's amazing. You know, she's in this program. She's potentially going to get her doctorate, but, you know, I would vouch for her. That is really going to be a game changer and potentially give you that extra like push that you're going to need. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, BA fam, y'all know when it comes to financial advice, you have to trust your source. That's why you listen to Brown Ambition, right? And when I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. I've been a longtime fan of Nerd Wallet. In fact, I almost work there a couple of times because when it comes to financial experts and writing, they really know how to give you the best reviews of financial products. I honestly wouldn't sign up for a credit card today if I hadn't looked at a review on a site like Nerd Wallet myself. And honestly, if y'all haven't learned about Nerd Wallet, you're missing out. And with their help, what could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? 
lounge access wherever you go next. Make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. All right, let's get back to these questions. All righty. So our next question is from one of our listeners. We're going to call her Jasmine. And she states the following question. I currently work for a pretty stable company on communications, but it is a nonprofit and it's a career area that I'm not particularly interested in. I am just beginning the interview process for two communication jobs with a newer tech company that admittedly have had some growing pains lately, but it still seems like a good fit. I assume I'll get more money if I take on this role, but this is where it kind of gets messy. I have a six-figure student loan debt, and my current role seems to be covered by the forgiveness program that I've been with for five years. However, my husband and I are trying to have a baby. And I know that the maternity leave at the tech company is better in addition to making more money that would allow me to quit my side hustle and work from home full time. So on the one hand, I have the chance to clear myself of all of the debt in five years, but at the cost of making more, working from home full time, having one job, having enough time to spend with my future child and potentially enjoying the job more. What should I do? Also, I'm not even sure how to negotiate to make sure that I maximize the most of my potential career switch. Okay, Miss Jasmine, not your real name, but Jasmine. I love this question. So a lot of you guys like Jasmine are working in jobs that could potentially qualify your student loan to be forgiven through the public service loan forgiveness program. I get that. So she's been in there for five years. I think in total, you've got to be in that job with the right types of loans in the right type of job. And you have to like reapply each year for 10 years. So she's saying, do I give this job, which if I go back to the beginning of her question, she says that she's not particularly interested in it. Should she stick with that job for five years just for the promise of maybe having her student loans forgiven? and give up the opportunity to work for a tech company that could pay her more, give her more time off for her maternity leave, let her work from home full time, um, and most likely pay her more. What should she do? I mean, this seems like a really difficult question, but I'm gonna make it simple. You and your career are what really matter here, and you and your family are what really matter here. Um, and when I lead from that place, like when I lead from a place of, of, is this the best for my family? Is it the best for my career? The money will follow, okay? So I honestly wouldn't worry so much about you missing out on this public service loan forgiveness boat necessarily when you've got an opportunity to make what could be a really amazing career move for yourself. You're not even enjoying your job right now. You gave, you said one of the words that whenever I hear it in my coaching clients, I just cringe. You said stable. Ooh, stable. Mm, Stable is for horses. (laughs) Stable is for when you mount your TV to the wall. You want those brackets to be stable. (laughs) But stability in a job, it's, it can be sexy. I get it. Like stability, especially if you've had, you know, financial insecurity, if you grew up in that space or 
if you're just a human being, like we all like to know what we're going to get in our paychecks week after week. And there is a sense of, okay, it's one less thing for me to have to worry about. But it's a lie. Even that quote unquote stable job in communications, they could fire you tomorrow, Jasmine. Like they could lay y'all off. They could decide that they want you to work in a different state and you don't want to move. So they're going to let you go. Like it's not exactly stable, is it? When you think about that, you are still at the mercy of someone else's budget, someone else's bottom line, someone else's business needs. So that is why I'm always reminding people, you've got to put yourselves first. Um, so the fact that stability is the only thing this job seems to have going for it because it ain't pay and it's not your interest level in the job doesn't seem like you're really getting a ton out of it i think you are definitely at a point where you could really benefit from a new opportunity if this new job in tech is something that would be interesting to you it would be challenging to you and it meets you where you want to be financially hells yeah the perks those perks don't you know like those are nothing to like bat an eye at like you've got full-time working from home privileges you know you could be potentially earning enough so that you wouldn't have to work a side job a side hustle as you say plus the time off to spend with your child i mean yes <laughs> you've got <laughs> to put yourself first here um so that's i guess where i'll leave it um but again just a reminder to y'all like i know that those government programs like the public service loan forgiveness. Um, my husband himself, like we made a decision, what was it, like five years ago that we would just go ahead and pay off the rest of his student loans because we had the money. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to like feel as if we were waiting for a government program, which the last administration, like the last president made very clear that any program that the incoming president doesn't want, they can just get rid of it, you know, and, and, and honestly, things change so quickly. It doesn't seem like it, but things can change quickly when it comes to politics and government programs. So we always just put ourselves first, like what's best for us financially, what's best for our careers and money has seemed to follow. And as long as you continue putting your career first and moving in this direction for bigger and better opportunities, the hope and the expectation is that you will be earning more so that you can pay down that debt on your own volition. Um, oh, one last thing, though. Did you say tech? I like tech jobs. You want to know why, Amber? <laughs> why? <laughs> Signing bonuses Ooh. are not just for NFL players. Okay, listen. When you negotiate, because her last question is, I'm not even sure how to negotiate to make sure I maximize the potential, the most out of this. If this is a new career area, um, I would definitely do your due diligence to find your market rate. So, of course, you can go to like your Glassdoors, your Payscales.com to find what is the market rate for this job title. But even more importantly is start shaking that network, shake them up, see who you've got in your network, who can help you figure out what you can expect salary wise what type of company you're working potentially working for. Do you know anyone who works there already? Do what you can to find personal connections who can help you start to develop what your market rate should be, what you should be asking for. And then you don't ask for it right away. You get them really excited about you late in the job process. Um, and when it comes time to start uh, speaking about salary expectations, you know where you're, you know, what you're aiming for. And you're also going to ask for a signing bonus because they don't need to know, Jasmine, that you don't love your job right now. They don't need to know all that. 
They don't need to know that you've been waiting for someone to scoop you up and rescue you for months and years. No, they don't need to know all that, okay? All they need to know is that they really want to work with Jasmine, right? And that they would love if they could poach Jasmine. But, oh, Jasmine's already got a job. And, oh, she's got, you know, 401k that she's been investing in through her job. And, you know, maybe there's some money on the table Jasmine will be leaving behind if she were to leave. And they need to know that so that they can give you a signing bonus. And with that windfall, you know, think about the dent you could be putting in your student loans with that windfall, potentially. Um, so that's just some food for thought. Ultimately, you got to do what's best for you, what you feel comfortable with. But I think that the fact that you were interviewing is amazing. Keep doing it, whether or not this job works out or the next one. Because if you're not happy and feeling challenged and financially, you know, paid your worth at your current job, I would not continue to suffer like that just for the promise of like a government uh, handout, essentially, like that loan forgiveness. It's just not how I roll. Yeah. And I'll also say like LinkedIn for me will probably be like the biggest thing that I use for the network piece that you were talking about. Because right. I didn't oh, really have LinkedIn a network. LinkedIn is the best. I didn't have anybody that I knew and not like even if you just want to ask them questions and you can see their titles, their roles, if they work at the company, if y'all have mutual friends and then you can try to get that connection there, too. So that would really help a lot with the network. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you may not hear back or you may get a cold response, but it's not going to hurt you. Like people Mm -hmm. can say, no, I don't want to talk to you. They can ignore you. But (laughs) the fact is just keep sending messages, keep reaching out to Mm -hmm. people, keep trying to find those connections. I mean, it could be. But so. Like it just so happens that like a lot of people, we don't even say out loud that we're looking for work. So how can we let our friends, our network work for us if we're not telling them, you know, what's happening? So I would use the fact that you're interviewing um, as a good like excuse to reach out to people and to get their feedback right now. But very yes. exciting. for Very excited for you. Good luck on the new baby. Hope you guys, <laughs> <laughs> you'll figure it all out. OK. All right. Last question, Amber. Last question. What do we got? last one all right so we are going to call her melinda and the question goes as followed i'm a 31 year old living in the dmv and i make fifty-two thousand a year here's my situation i was not looking for a new job this black woman reached out to me on linkedin (laughs) okay i guess that's an important plot point all right (laughs) reached out for me on linkedin about an analyst position at her organization the job i have now is fine however i just got my first apartment and i can definitely use the salary increase but if i do well on the second interview and they offer me the job their max budget for this job would be a 13k salary increase should I take it? I really like the benefits package that my current job offers. The healthcare benefits of the new potential job are kind of raggedy and I don't like the insurance. This is a newly created position too, so who knows what I'll be getting myself into if I leave this job. It is also remote. Maybe I could leverage it for negotiation at my current job if they want me to stay. I will honestly prefer to stay here for the benefits alone. On top of all of this, I feel bad for leaving the team because we are very understaffed. The director who hired me, a black woman, has been on indefinite leave since June but nobody knows what's going on. Another person got let go because of a contract mishap with HR right before that, and they haven't replaced their position. And on top of that, one person is about to go on maternity leave. December is our busiest month. Talk about bad timing. Okay. Woof. All righty. So there's a lot going on here. (laughs) I can usually tell based on what, like the question itself, that when people already know what they're going to do, And honestly, Mm -hmm. it's not even about the money so much right now. It just genuinely feels like 
you are feeling okay about where you are right now. I know that I'm the queen of quitting and that I talk about quitting all the time. <laughs> but if you listen to my story, I did not quit higgledy piggledy. I did not quit like randomly whenever it just any old thing came across my desk, any old opportunity came across my desk. It had to meet a really high bar. It had to be a significant pay increase um, most of the time. And it also had to be um, a really attractive opportunity in the sense that it gave me a new challenge. It gave me a bigger title, more responsibility, whatever it was that I wanted out of my next opportunity. It had to give me something um, juicy and different and appealing. And right now, it seems like all this new job has going for it is an extra 13K salary increase for me. To be honest, when you look at 13K over the course of a year, you know, divided up into 26 paychecks after taxes, we're not talking about a life changing amount of money. Um, so I would only take this job if you were really, really excited about the job itself. I didn't hear you say much about that. Um, you may be a little bit too caught up. I mean, it's important, obviously, to look at things like healthcare benefits and other incentives. But have you thought about the job itself? Do you want it? Um, are you suited for it? Is it better for you? in your career. And it may even be that, okay, it's a 13k increase. That's nice, but it's not amazing. But this company, this company is incredible. I've always wanted to work for this company. And once I get my foot in the door, I could see myself ascending and moving and grooving through the company to higher positions down the line. I'm not hearing that kind of strategic thinking. Um, so I would sit with that for a minute and look at that look at that potential new job from that lens you know what is the long-term potential of you making the switch um to your other points about like the job that you've got now you like the benefits um it's obviously it's a known entity like you've already worked there but it sounds a little bit like dysfunction junction girl like <laughs> it sounds a little bit like they're a hot mess I mean, you're understaffed. December is your busiest month. I know this is obviously January now. So this is from a, a few weeks ago when you sent this. But how much of that is actually your responsibility to fix? At the end of the day, we feel a sense of duty and a sense of loyalty to our colleagues, which isn't a bad thing. We want to be a good team player. We want to help everybody. But at the end of the day, you have got to put your own career your family's needs, your financial concerns, front and center. It sounds selfish because it's supposed to sound selfish. That's what I want more people to be. <laughs> um, I think selfish has become, you know, in a lot of ways, just like this demonized wor word. And, and typically, the people who are punished for being selfish, oh, just so conveniently tend to be people of color, you know, people at the bottom of the employee chain, the grunt workers, the worker bees, we're the ones who are meant to be loyal. We're the ones who are supposed to care about the understaffed team. Like all that responsibility is falling on our shoulders. I'm telling you, the people at the top don't feel that way. Okay. The people at the top are putting themselves first. Um, so I want to like relieve you a bit of, in terms of your career choice, don't let it be about the struggles of the team that you're leaving. You can acknowledge that your leaving would be another hurdle for them to overcome, but you are not responsible, as far as I can tell, for the dysfunctional management, the dysfunctional planning and organization of that 
company to have gotten to a position where it is now, where it has so many gaps and where a person like you is feeling under overwhelmed and stressed out about it, you know, like you, uh, that's above your pay grade, I'm going to imagine. Okay. So <laughs> I would relieve you a little bit of that stress and I would not factor that into your decision. I would bring it back to what I originally said. When it comes to this new job, what do they have going for it besides the 13K salary increase? 13K is decent, but for me, I'm going to need you to find out more and have more reasons for joining than just that 13K increase. It's going to have to be, like I said, better opportunity. For you, it sounds like you would like to work for a team that's got its shit together. I know, like, I know that you said this is a newly created position, this new job, and who knows what you'll be getting yourself into. But those are questions you can ask during a job interview. Like you can interview them as well. And you can be candid. Hey, the job that I'm at right now, I love it for these reasons. But one of my one of my pain points has been the lack of communication, the sense of being asked to do more with less. What assurances can you give me that your team will be different and leave it like that? You can definitely ask that when you talk to a hiring manager during an interview and have them tell you what makes them different. How organized are they? How much how many resources do you have? You know, what is the support for someone in your role? And that may be even more like valuable to you than even that 13k salary increase if it means you can genuinely feel like what it feels to work in a job where you got some support underneath you you know what i mean um so i appreciate your question miss belinda from the dmv but think about all of that okay and the and i'll just leave you with this the fact that a woman reached out to you on linkedin tells me that your linkedin is good like you are being found by recruiters and if it's not this opportunity it could very well be another one down the line so if you feel okay where you're at now financially you're sound career-wise you're you're fine you can deal with the dysfunction junction for a little bit longer keep your eyes peeled for opportunities on LinkedIn like you've been doing, but keep interviewing. There may be a job that gives you everything you want and more. Um, it just hasn't found you yet. Okay. The end. So sweet. <laughs> Poor Amber is just like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, Manny talks real good. <laughs> All of that. All of that and more. <laughs> All that. Well, thank you so much for the question, Melinda. And I forget, it's Melinda. Oh, yeah. Melinda is a pseudonym. So don't y'all go look for Melinda in the DMV. Okay. That's not her real name. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Melinda. Thank you all for your questions. Amber, do you want to take a stab at telling people how they can send us a question at Brown Ambition? Absolutely. So you definitely can get on Instagram and DM us and let us know. You can also visit our website and submit your questions in there as well. Um, is that another way that they can send me a question? Email brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Send you can them. tell it's 10 minutes to the hour because I'm just getting all my notifications going off about my next meeting at 2.30. Oh, my gosh. And you learn how to silence those. <laughs> but yeah, anxiety. we can't wait. <laughs> it, I know. The pings give me anxiety, too. Well, it felt really good to answer y'all's questions again. Like Amber said, hit us up on IG at our website, brandambitionpodcast.com. Send us a note, brandambitionpodcast.gmail.com. BAQ&A is back. So start sending your questions in again. And we will hope to talk to y'all soon. Bye, BA fam. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's What Women Binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.